Hola, amigo. How are you? Here we go. Our first podcast. Yay. Together, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so welcome to the I Hate the News podcast with uh, myself, Eyes, and Sarah Rosangela. Introduce yourself, Sarah. <laughs> uh, I'm Sarah Zandula. I write poems, sometimes on the internet, sometimes in books. And sometimes not at all. And sometimes not at all, which is why we are here. <laughs> um, to talk about creativity and what to do uh, when you have lots of ideas and you don't really know how to get started with them, um, which is pretty common. Like, I feel like this time of year, everyone's like setting resolutions, like, you know, for, for hobbies and like how to be a better person and how to finish mm-hmm. that book I started three years ago. And, um, so yeah. I also think a lot of people listening, like just struggle with, um, like just like us struggle with the idea of generating ideas, like how to face the, the blank page. Yeah, for sure. And so we'll be trying to get into that and trying to get people ideas on how we constantly keep ourselves motivated and inspired and coming up with ideas, which is like the hardest thing in the world as everybody knows. But, um, once you get a group, some some tricks and I guess a bag of tricks you know well I think what I think there's this like misconception and it's like part of like we, we kind of like it as creatives like we, we want people to think that like we have something that that other ordinary people don't um mm-hmm. but really there's no difference like whether you've, you've written a book like like I have or like I mean you you've made numerous films now and it's difficult every single time you know so exactly it's get any easier to like come up with the idea and then to to kind of execute it um, it's always one, a fucking miracle. But one of the reasons that we wanted, that I wanted to do this podcast with you was that, um, like, um, so I started out making films. I had a short at Sundance a few years ago. Well, a lot of years ago, but, um, uh, so I made a lot of films since then, but, um, I got to a point where I made a feature film, put it out. Um, and it kind of burnt me out cause it was like two or three years of working on it. Yeah. And so film became this thing, which like, became incredibly hard for me. Like it was really hard for me to generate an idea or get excited about it because I just climbed this giant mountain and, you know, just kind of felt exhausted. So for the last few, um, I guess months or so, I've been doing this daily music project to try to like, you know, open up the creativity channels and get things flowing again. To just try to do something different, challenge my brain and learn new things. And then when I come back to film, I should be more excited about it and, and like have things to contribute because of like, you know, defrag my brain in a way. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to start this with you, because I'm in a place where I'm kind of confused right now as far as like, you know, like, we're not confused, but just like figuring myself out creatively. Right. And I figured that was a good time to like let people in on the process and talk about all the shit that like we do to keep ourselves motivated and going, because like I said, it's the hardest thing in the world to keep yourself motivated. And I think that that one of the things that helps me the most is just like having creative friends who aren't even necessarily in the same field as you. Um mm-hmm. Like, like we are. And I can be like, I don't know how to write a poem today. And you'll send me yeah, totally. music or you'll send me like, here's a short film. Like, watch this. And it always kind of jogs something to think outside of your, yeah, yeah. your box. You do the same thing. Like you send me a piece of writing or, or a poem or something and I'll read it. And it just makes me see things differently. You go, oh yeah, there's all these possibilities of like how you can bend words or tell stories or whatever. And, or even just when you send me a new artist that I haven't, that I don't know. And then I get super excited and start to like go down the rabbit hole. And then suddenly you're super inspired again, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's just knowing, and also like it's, it's knowing how to stay engaged in that community. And, and it like, for me, I just have to acknowledge that like, it's always going to feel like this. I'm always going to have times where I feel like I'm stuck and I'm never going to write something again. Um, And then you get out of it. Um, And it's just, you have to have, have those kind of built-in safety nets of like things that you that you watch or for me it's like polish poetry will always put me in the mood to like write something else so i i have this kind of yeah you have this thing with polish poetry it's like amusing (laughs) yeah no no it's uh definitely like the my thing um yeah but it always gets you gets you going again like i don't think i've ever seen you ever heard you talk more um or for, for you to sound more inspired or, like, passionate than when you're talking about, when, you, when you've just read, like, a new piece of Polish poetry that, like, just blew your mind. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it'll be the same one that'll, like, blow my mind over and over again mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when I read it, like, different points in my life. Um, somebody was talking on Twitter the other day about how 
with with all writing, but especially with poetry, you can either read really deep or you can read really wide. Um, and for me, I've always kind of considered myself someone who just read everything. Like, oh, I like all sorts of things, but really, really <laughs> like Polish poetry, <laughs> which is so odd. It's or, so uh, or because if you don't if, if you don't know anything about poetry or. I mean, not, not that you don't know anything about poetry, but the idea if you don't know much about the history of poetry or even, even Polish history, then you don't really understand why that's, so, why that's such a big deal. But I'm sure we'll get into that over, over the next few yeah, podcasts. Yeah. But, um, oh, one thing I think we should just quickly do, I'm sure we're jumping all over the place because we're figuring this thing out, but we should probably talk about why we call this thing I Hate the News. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Um, because <laughs> we, we call it I Hate the News because we do. Because we actually hate the news individually. And, and we figure um, everybody relates. And this has nothing to do with it being fake news or anything. It just has to do with the fact that, like, as creative people, you need to have, like, a lot of mental real estate open to be able to, to dream, you know? And the news is just this constant fear-mongering, and it just, like, gets you stressed and gets you to, like, block off all those creative pathways because you're in this, like, you know, flight-or-fight mode. And I think most people don't even realize they're in flight-or-fight mode when they're listening to the news. Oh, no. I mean, like... I think that's that's one of the things that's blocking a lot of creatives right now. So like mm-hmm. just the sale of fiction is down like more than it's ever been in like the last several years. That's so strange. Like, Do you know why that's strange? Because because this is when people want to be like escaping reality. No, but I've I've been in this weird place where like fiction isn't like it's not like I'm not gravitating towards it. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fiction person. Like I'm a storyteller, you know? And sometimes I wonder, am I getting older? Like, am I not as interested in fiction anymore? Because my dad wasn't one. Like, I remember, you know, being a kid looking up to my dad and he wasn't as interested. But, like, if you see a great movie, he'd be into it, you know? Right. But, um, but that now that you say that, it makes me realize that there is this cultural shift that's going on right now where people seem to be less and less interested in, in, uh, in fiction and, and, sto- and, like, made-up stories, like make-em-ups, you know? And, but I think yeah. it'll shift again. It'll shift again. But that's where we are right now. And, and a lot of that is because, I mean, like again twitter um somebody was saying the other day on it how like they they go to sit down to write something and they feel constantly distracted because they look out their window um and the president of i mean for at least mm-hmm. for us in america here yeah. in canada um, yeah we get we get the uh we get the sideshow right exactly because <laughs> that's looking in from a window um there's a but, great there's yeah. a great meme of like the dude with um just like eating food and watching his neighbors across the street fighting <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's us. us. Like all the time. Um, but that's that's what it feels like, right? It feels like I'm I'm trying to sit down at my computer, you know, and and write something, and I keep getting up to look out the window because there's a man who's threatening to like set off a bomb, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't trust him to not do it, and like that's what the American presidency is right now. Um, so yeah. it's really difficult to kind of feel like you can do anything more than just survive. Um, and of course, we have to acknowledge like the privilege in in that being in, like. America right now and in, mm-hmm. in North America mm-hmm. because like the rest of the world I mean mostly due in large part to like American foreign policy but that's a different thing um feels like that all the fucking time right yeah, and yet yeah. great art comes out of those places um and, and in fact because of because of those kinds of situations um yeah it's just everybody's but, a little bit numb to it right now and yeah it'll change but um, I think um, at the moment, it's like there's a sentiment going on that, like, people are just tired. Like, they, like, really, I think of, have you seen, um, it's from the 70s, I think, or the 80s, a movie called Network? Have you heard of it? No. no. But in it, there's this great thing where, like, there's this dude in the beginning, he's, uh, he's like a news anchor, and I guess he's super stressed out and just feeling disillusioned with everything, and he goes on air and tells everybody to turn the TVs off. Like, he tells all of America, turn your televisions off. Like, it's all just, like, fear-mongering and so forth, right? And it's the mm-hmm. opening of the movie. And it's, like, an amazing film, an amazing film. And, um, and I feel like that's where we are right now. We're, like, it's just, like, turn all that shit off. Like, just turn it off. Get your life in order. Like, go do the things you always wanted to do. None of this stuff actually affects you, you know? And, well, unless, it, unless it does. Unless it does, which is a different well, thing. But most say, people, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that... I think that for Americans right now, like, the main thing is that these things do, in fact, affect your lives in a way that, like, they've never Yeah, I guess as Canadians, we have this kind of, like, safer seat where we're seeing and just going, like, Jesus Christ, everybody relax. <laughs> yeah, but you guys don't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got health care. <laughs> yeah, you have health care. You don't have, like, pedophiles running for office. Like, all of those, like... At least not that like, we know. Right, yeah, no, not, like, openly proud pedophiles. Like, all those markers of, like 
not only like democracy but like human decency you guys just have and like it's a given but like we don't have that right now so well um, i, I always look at it, it feels super unsafe but i always look at it like you guys are in the muck right now like you guys are in the middle of figuring things out it's almost like it's almost like you're watching teenagers like figure out their teenage lives and like become adults you know yeah and at some yeah, point no. and, and and i don't mean that in any condescending way i'm just saying like history wise i think it's this place where like you're in this crazy turmoil and change but the truth all this stuff going on there's also this amazing positive change going on do you know what i mean with all of this is like all this like you know respecting genders and all that kind of stuff like you know as much as it sometimes frustrates us because we come from a different world like you know being a bit older um it's like all this positive shit is happening while all this negative stuff is happening which is essentially just a perfect storm you know yeah i mean what's what's interesting about I hate the news is that we actually came up with it, the idea for it years um, ago, like five years ago. Yeah. Before and it was much more militant back then though. Oh yeah. No. It was just going to be like, fuck the news. Everything was going to be anti-news. Oh yeah. It was like definitely like this kind of really aggressive, like militant response yeah. to the news. So it's, it's amusing that like things have gotten way worse. Um, yeah. We saw, we saw it coming. Yeah, and we mellowed out about it a little bit, I think. Yeah, because this um, isn't because now because at that point it was really going to be this like anti political podcast, but this podcast is really just about creativity and stuff. And the I hate the news title is tongue in cheek, and just turn that stuff off and focus on the stuff that you actually want to do. Right, or also like there are interesting ways to channel your frustration and your anger uh, creatively, and like for that's example, a good point. Um, there is this kind of movement on on Twitter right now to write tiny poems using the seven words that the Trump administration has banned for real? from using. Yeah. So <laughs> he's banned the CDC from, from using, um, I don't know the, all of them, but it's transgender, fetus. Um, he banned transgender? Yeah. Tr- transgender, fetus. What are the other ones? Um, scientifically proven. Like these are like phrases and words that they're and, not and allowed who, to include where? in their reports. It, in, whoa. In, in medical reports. And so, but these are like science, these are like medical words though. Like, right, and also like, this yeah. is what dictators do. Like, right, this is what dictators this, do. Yeah. This is what dictators do. Um, you ban words. Yep. And so, um, and that's, that's created a really interesting thing for American poets to do right now, which is like, how do we use our, subvert that? All, all, and all art is that, right? You're essentially um, subverting it. Exactly. And Take those words and make a poem. Process. We can process all of our collective trauma yeah, yeah. Um, through. That's through. clever, though. And I think that's the purpose of art. The purpose of art is to take these negative things and, or like take things that are like uh, potentially damaging or destructive in politics and history and stuff and to turn them around into something that make you reevaluate it and go, oh, there's like another way to look at this. Exactly. And I think that you could even go as far as to say that creativity is a social duty mm-hmm. that, that individuals have. Um, well, in order to speak to and contribute to uh, their larger well, communities. I'm going to be a little honest here for a sec, maybe a little vulnerable. So like, when I was growing up, being a creative person or being like really drawn to the arts and stuff, like, I always had this bit of like shame, which was that, like, am I doing something that's worthwhile? You know, like, right. like you know, my dad's busting his ass, like working at a small business, and here I am, like, interested in writing. Do you know what I mean? I think that's probably, I mean, I'm a, I'm a white American, like mm-hmm. upper middle class white American, so I can't speak to that. But I'm sure that's a very common concern for well, minorities. Well, especially growing up Pakistani in Canada, you know, and, and my parents were super like open minded and stuff and like supportive. But still, like they're still immigrants and they still come from this other culture where they're super concerned about, you know, their kids in this new world. And. So I was, I was really always just weighing it. And like, as I've gotten older and now, especially now with this whole Trump, not just Trump, but everything that's going on in the world and so on. It's like, I've just suddenly come to this realization. Not so, it's been a gradual, but it's never, it's never been clearer than now is that art has never been more important. Yeah. Because it's the only way that you can say anything like that can get under people's skin without them necessarily being like, you know, defensive or whatever. No, absolutely. Communicating like across lines. I'm, I'm even talking about like, you know, uh, the other side making music that gets under my skin and makes me go, hmm, let me consider it the other way, you know? Right. I think that that's, I mean, part of the reason that, like, we're, we're talking earlier about how I love Polish poetry in particular. Um, and Polish poetry spoke to the post-World War II experience of the Jewish population in the Slavic population, not only under Nazi Germany, but also under uh, Soviet rule 
and mm-hmm. um, there's nothing quite like it. I mean you're actually seeing a lot of a lot of um, incredible poetry coming out of Syria right now okay um, because it talks about and discusses this, this human struggle mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming wherever there's like you know uh, a real intense amount of strife there's going to be really great art and poetry I mean you see it like like Iranian art and poetry yeah. and cinema uh, is, is similar yeah. um, I, I, this is kind of related but we always talk about how you know I come from this little suburb of Toronto called Brampton and how it was when I was growing up it was like predominantly a South Asian suburb it was like mostly Indian kids uh, the white people were kind of a minority then there was Pakistani kids which were like a super minority but we just blended in with the Indians you know and right. and um, uh, and and growing up, I was very aware of the fact that this was like a really unique place. It was like a melting pot. and It was really intense, like all these cultures rubbing up against each other. And like, especially in the 90s, maybe not always getting along. Right. You know? And it was pretty intense place. And I was aware of that. But now, 2017, you know, cut to 2017. And suddenly, like all these artists are popping up in, in, in North American culture, period, like even America, that are from Brampton. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not a little thing. And it comes from the fact that it was a working-class neighborhood and all these cultures rubbing up against each other. It was a very kind of, like, you know, blue-collar neighborhood that was into, like, hip-hop music and all that. And now, like, a lot of the major music, like uh, Alicia Cara, um, Tory Lanez, um, uh, in movies is Michael Cera. Um, who else is there? I've mentioned, like, so many people. Um, uh, this is Devin Farina guy. And then... Um, Jesse Ray's who's huge right now there's like and that's I'm, and I'm literally just forgetting people there's like 10 people that are from Brampton it's all hip-hop urban stuff and it kind of like and it and it's because of what we're talking about this strife that like this like you know uh, economic pressures and stuff and these kids were just like listening to music that they identified with and now it's become one of the hot spots for urban music right and also like comedy like I see all over YouTube like... you're right yeah there's a lot of Brampton comedy yeah um, it is it is like such a cool a cool little place because Mm -hmm. it's it kind of is this um this little micro community for what's happening all over i think right now um it's like it's it's a little pressure cooker yeah and i think that's Um, that's similar to happening in syria and these other places not not that brampton is syria that's not what i'm saying (laughs) i'm just saying the idea that like whenever there's a situation where people are in this like economic social pressure cooker it like that like whatever that hurt and that pain and that heartache from like not being able to keep up with things like that seems to uh, create some of the most like honest art you know yeah but yeah so um, talk about the same thing what so so coming from that place mm-hmm. how do you tap into well i was just about to say that let's say seg- let's segue into the actual main topic which is now creativity right right and so, ideas like, right now right now you have um, not been making any films. Mm-hmm. And I know that's because, like, To Our Bright White Hearts, which is, which is on YouTube now, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, and suddenly picking up some numbers, which is kind of cool. Is it? Yeah, the last, like, um, uh, couple of weeks or so, it started to pick up on Reddit. And, it, like, it, you know, like, I dropped it and it kind of had a super slow start. I was disappointed. And, but it's just, a, it's just a way of, like, the world right now. It's like, you're not going to get somebody to sit down and watch an hour film on YouTube without them knowing about it, you know? Except but, that, like, what I would want to tell people is that that film used to be, like, two and a half hours long. Yeah, yeah, and now it's an hour. <laughs> and, 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 no, it's, it's, like, I'm super proud of the film, and it's great, and people who've watched it seem to give it great ratings. It's got, like, a 9.4 IMDb, which is nice, you know, considering only, you know, a certain fraction of people have seen it. But, um, but yeah, it's picking up numbers now, which is nice on Reddit. And, um, like, in the last week, it got another 1,000. And I, I can tell that that's just going to be one of this, like, slow snowball effects. You know, mm-hmm. and I've always known that I always use one of these things where if I put it out for free, it's going to take like a year, a couple of years for it to like people to find it. But well, then, but then like, it's a thing you own. It's this like personal little little exactly. gem thing that you made. And like you, you filmed that and like began to work on it and kind of had the outline for it. Like I watched it when we first met, like, God, almost six years ago. I think even before that, I'd, I'd already been working on it. So yeah, I th- no, I saw kind of like the first, like the first edits and drafts and stuff of it. And then, um... So when it came out this year, like this last year, like I knew you just had to be exhausted with it. Like I remember, like I was so burnt out. Partner, like just toil away at the thing. I mean, it's a beautiful. Well, thing. I you think the work that's in it, but it's got yeah. to be 
it's got to leave you empty after that. So, like, how do you get into your next project after I was, a film like that? I was completely depleted just from, like, finishing the film. People don't realize how big of, like, you know, an undertaking that is to make an actual feature film. Yeah. And I had started it years before we met. Like, I had a draft I'd written and then, like, put it away and then brought it back out years later. And then it took a few years to finish. And then I was just exhausted. And so them being exhausted, it was like, I think you don't admit it to yourself for a while. You just keep going and keep making things. And you're like, maybe not super happy with. Right. You know, and maybe they don't even see the light of day. You just kind of tuck them away. But, um, but yes, I was super depleted. And then I realized that like, maybe, well, another thing was that the film came out and it didn't like necessarily set the world on fire, you know? Right. And, and so like right away, I'm saying, so when that happened, that was like another kind of like, well, do I want to keep putting myself on the line like this? Right. You know, because it's super personal and like, and if people don't really care, like, what's the point? Right. And so I realized at one point that I needed a break. Like, I just, if I kept going in the direction of making movies and stuff, that I would just burn out. Like, that I would just start to hate cinema, you know? I, I, I already catch myself of... getting a little bitter, to be honest, back then. But yeah, go on. Oh, as I say, I think a lot of, of writers deal with that. Like, they put out a book and, like, writers are just kind of expected to... Well, you put out a book. Them. Right. Like, but, yeah, we can get to that. Yeah, okay, we'll get to that. Um... I think that people always expect you to be working on a project. Mm-hmm. Like, if you finished a book, the only thing you're ever going to want to do is, like, write books. So you're just immediately going to start right. the next project. Is that you're this, like, infinite well of poems. Um, and for you, it's, yeah, you're right. it's similar. Like, people expect that you're always going to be, like, writing a script or, well, or editing or in post-production or something. And that's just impossible. Well, the worst part of what you're saying is that like, the worst part of what you're saying is that you do it, like, you, you do that to yourself. Like, you think, like... Uh, I thought myself that I was an infinite well of creativity. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists do that where they just think, well, I'll just pull out of my ass, you know, I'll just make another <laughs> yeah. one. And trying to do that, you realize, no, you're just fooling yourself. This stuff isn't as good and you're not inspired and you're pushing through and so forth. And, um, but yeah, so I kind of had to take a break and um, I did a lot of writing during that time, like just trying to get mm-hmm. re-inspired and some good stuff came out of that. I was re- like, I learned a lot of new things. I was trying to learn new structure and all this. But then, like, music caught my ear, and I realized I hadn't, like, music's been something I've been doing for so long, but I haven't really shared it with anybody. Right. And then I realized that, like, maybe this is a season for me to, like, especially now with YouTube, where there's, like, so much information available on how to make music, you know, at home and so forth. I was like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to learn new skills and just go into music and dedicate myself to it, like, do it, like, as a daily practice. And yeah. as I, as, and learning that and being forced to do that every day will make my, take my mind off cinema completely. And yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll start to, like, level up new skills, which I'll be able to use in movies and stuff. But, you know, maybe it'll lead to new door, like, new doors opening, which it has so far. I've met all these cool people. But, um, but yeah, it, op- it, it, shook, it shook off all the cobwebs, and suddenly I was excited again. And I think a lot of people looked at it like, what is he doing? Like, he's doing music now? You know? But I was, yeah. like, I was like, no, that's the first thing you got to get rid of is that thing of, like, what people think. Because you're never going to try anything. You're never, like, I know this music thing is, like, a trial and error thing, and it's going to be, like, some stuff's going to be good, some stuff's going to be bad, some stuff's going to be great but I'm going to be learning things along the way, but I would never do that if I cared what people thought. Well, also I think it's, it's, I think a lot of people kind of pigeonhole themselves into thinking like I'm a filmmaker or I'm, I'm a poet or you know, I'm a painter when really most of us, I think are, are just creatives yeah. in general. Yeah. And then we, we just find, we all have like a medium. We start to feel boxed in, right? Right. Yeah. When, um, when we have a medium that we prefer and start to, or that we have like a, like a specific skill set and like, you know, like, writing a poem is is straight up just not as hard as like all of the different like things you have to control when you like go into like making a film yeah yeah Um, but i think that we generally pick the format that's best for yeah that that we're the most comfortable in and oh no for our story too true yeah 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 you and i are not telling the same story no um and sometimes, like, I'll have a poem that really, like, is not working. And maybe it's because it should be, like, a short story or yeah, an essay yeah. or, or something like that. And so for you with music and film, it's, it's exploring different types of, of storytelling and, and expression. Format. and Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, it makes your brain fire. Like, in, like it makes the different neurons fire. And so now you're creating these new connections. And when you go back to storytelling, you see it differently. You see new opportunities. I'm, I'm, I can already tell, like, something's, in the last week or so, something's been bubbling inside of me. Like, I don't know what it is yet, but some story or movie's about to pop out. I don't know what right, it is, but I can feel it. I can, like, I, it's, like, I've been watching a lot of movies again, which means that, like, the hunger's back, and I'm, look, I'm not looking at it this thing of, because nothing happened with movies, I started looking at it as a thing of, like, 
you know, how do I make money? And I right. think that's super dangerous when, when you're like, well, you know, it's making this so person. fucking expensive. That's right? the, yeah, exactly. So like, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah. It's, it's a totally different kind of animal. And I know that like that, like burnt you out because you're able to like do on, on $30,000, what so many other people couldn't when it comes to yeah. making a film, but that's, it's still like, but you know what? It was own re- kind of animal. Um, and it's exhausting. And so I'm sure that working with like an app on YouTube to make music gets rid of a lot of those like mental stressors. Um, yeah, it creates a whole bunch of new stressors, but it's good because it's like they're different. They're not the same ones. So it's not like you're just overwhelmed. You just, well, actually, you know what? One thing to get into right now, which would be really good, is like we're talking about creativity and like how people get, you know, motivated, which is something we've been just covering just now. But like, um, one of the things I noticed is with creativity, like one of the ways that I can motivate myself is related to what we're talking about is um, if I teach myself a new skill. So yeah. if I'm teaching myself, like if I like with music, I had to learn new things. I had to learn new software. At first, I was dragging my feet. But once I started doing it and getting into it, then all these possibilities start opening up because you start learning what the software can do and so forth. And when that happens, then the ideas just follow. The ideas, yeah. they, they, like, you're not searching for them. They just come because you're trying to f- use this new thing you learn. And you're like, what if I use it this way? You know? And, and I think that's one big lesson for me on this, like, this daily music practice that I've been keeping on soundcloud.com slash eyeswatch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this daily music practice I've been keeping. Um, it's taught me that, like, like, I've literally put this as a tool in my back pocket now, which is that every time where I feel uninspired or I feel like I'm stuck, I'm going to, like, forcefully teach myself a new skill that is difficult like either learning you know uh learning i don't know sound or something but i remember in like in, in my 20s i learned cinematography and like that was a huge step forward that's where white red panic came from right you know and it was and I've, I've realized that my best work always tends to come when i'm learning something new and that gets me excited about showing it off you know absolutely so so yeah right. the music thing was a good good way to to actually you know generate ideas and get going I think with with writing for me, mm-hmm. um, it's it's been somewhat similar. Like because it's all language based, I found that whenever I go and study, um, and these are more like long term fixes yeah. for like yeah, creativity. Yeah. Um, whenever I go and study a new language, that I start to see words differently um, because oh, I study translation a lot. Um, because Polish, one of the really cool things about about Polish poetry mm-hmm. is that um, the Polish language has not changed all that much in like the last several hundred years. Is that is is that very uncommon? It's very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't get into like all the mechanics of it, but basically, you can read something that was written hundreds of years ago, and it rings as true now. Yeah. Um, because it can be translated um, pretty easily it's because it's very easily mm-hmm. right um, versus like when you read like Shakespeare or something like that it's a totally different style of writing and different style of speaking and understanding mm-hmm. um, and so this year I was like I'm going to study Polish so that way I can understand and compare the things that I love in their original language and kind but, of what's been gained and what's been lost let's just give um, people some quick context because you also put out a poetry book um, was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, you put it out. Summer. You put it out last year, and I know that was like a really difficult thing for you that you've been like working on for a while. And then when you put it out, I mean, I was super proud of you just to be like for you to finish it and get it out. Because personally, I think that's the hardest thing in the world to just finish a project and put it out. Yeah. You know? and, well, even now, like when you buy it, it's like the formatting is like a little weird, mm-hmm. and, like, and you want to redo it. And you're gonna do a second edition. And I'm you said. about to redo it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, do it in the audiobook format and all of that. Um, but I think after, I was... after the book, you found yourself a little like. Um, like not sure if you wanted to do another poetry book right away. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it brings up, it gives context for the Polish, the Polish poetry that you're just about to talk yeah. about. But, yeah. um, but that led you to, to Polish poetry, right? Like, I kind of had to loop, I had to loop back around because like, like you were saying, sometimes it's good to just get something done. Like mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. you know, finished is better than perfect. And it so, gives you wind in your sails really does. Yeah. I can point to this thing and be like, I mm-hmm, need this. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, and, and that has that has a lot of value. But and I'm sure now, you notice people's reaction to you change too once you put it out. Like your family, everything, just like, oh, she's serious about this. Right, because I mean, like, I'll be honest. Like, I write a lot of my my shorter like pieces on my phone. So I think that like my family when they're around, they think I'm just like dicking off on my yeah. phone. Yeah, social media like, or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, nah. Like, 
I made a thing. Yeah, we had a real thing. People like it. They buy it. <laughs> There's a real thing. Go buy it. Um, Which, by the way, you should just quickly plug your site. I will. I will at the end. All right. Cool. <laughs> no one. And actually, what's funny is that I just redid the website, and like nobody uses websites anymore. Like I was trying to figure out, like. No, oh, but your website looks dope. People better go to it. So we'll uh, we'll link it at the end. I learned code. Um, Which, by the way, learning that must have stretched your your like creative muscles too, right? Yeah, because actually, like, so so what I did this year, like after I finished the book, was like I was I didn't want to like write another poem like ever. Mm-hmm. I was just like so done with it, and so I kind of went back to my roots of um, like my my degree is in visual art, but also like foreign policy. Of course, yeah, just you and, know, as you do. <laughs> um, and so I was like, let me go work for a nonprofit uh, doing writing and like analytics and like web analytics and, and uh, content design and stuff like that uh, for them. Right. And what was really nice about that is that um, data tells you what to feel. So I can look at this totally different. Yeah, I remember you saying that and I didn't get what you meant language. until you explained it. Yeah, like looking at like analytics and, and just kind of like you know google analytics mm-hmm. data and, and stuff like, like back that. end like, back end analytics of like yeah. traffic and yeah and then looking at like having to redo their website like on you know really tight budget and stuff like that um learning code for things which is a language all its own um was was really nice because my mind could kind of totally tap out of like being creative and i was able to yeah. make something but in a way that was like more um more technical mm-hmm. i didn't have to feel anything about it you know you, um, you had to basically follow what the data told you yes i was like okay mm-hmm. like there's not the many variables what to feel and also like what to write so yeah. like if people are mostly concerned about like what is going on with these chemical attacks in syria then like and the data tells me that then that's, that's what, what you write, write that's your job and it gives you a really interesting relationship with your with your readers because mm-hmm. um, you're serving them like, in a sense Exactly. And when you're writing poetry, um, typically, like my first book, the one that's the one that's kind of out in the world right now, um, was was mostly just like a lot of navel gazing. And, <laughs> and that's a totally valid. But, totally I, th- valid but I, I think you're being I think you're being dismissive. And it's funny, but no, no, but, no. but most poetry is that right. Like what I'm saying is most poetry is that that doesn't mean it's uh, that doesn't take the value of it away or anything. No, absolutely not. But what I mean is like your, your brain works differently. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also. Yeah. Also, like the poetry that we see now, that's more of like a political response to the current like established order of the world. Mm-hmm. It is not necessarily like that, and right. so it's helped me a lot to totally change it up and get back into these roots of like of working with data and foreign policy, and and also like because my minor was um, Eastern European post-war history, which is a very specific minor, <laughs> yes. um, and I studied I studied Russian and, and Polish then mm-hmm. um, to get back into that and kind of have this relationship between those languages and that history yeah um, i feel like you're, i feel like you're drawn to it yeah um that there's this, this relationship between the history there that, I'm, that i kind of work with on a day-to-day mm-hmm. sort of technical way and then the art that came out of that that region um and so kind of looking at looking at the different ways that a type of art that you create exists in the world i think can be super important for mm-hmm. just kind of jogging jogging your your kind of creative pursuits and your um totally like where you want to take it so what are, what are what are some other ways that you like get going when you're you know stuck creatively because i really think that's that's really the thing that like helps people the most if they're listening to this you know um, so I think a yeah. shorter term, a shorter term thing that helps like me, practical things, maybe that people can yeah, do like too. Yeah, something I can do in like in one sitting versus like I'm going to go learn a new language and get a different job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll find something. This is the one that works the most for me. Okay. Um, I'll find a poem that I really, really love that like moves me deeply, mm-hmm. or that makes me uncomfortable. One, one like, like a new one, or one that you already love. It doesn't matter. It, it usually ends up being a new one because I try to read um, a few poems every morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, what I'll do is if I'm feeling stuck or if I haven't written and I don't really know how to start, 
I will take a poem and like copy it into like my my editor, like my word editor. Yeah. And um and I use Bear for that because there's no it's a like, super clean sort of layout and I can just look at the words. And Okay. Um, I'll delete every other line. Oh and right, so, you told me this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll delete every other line and I'll write a line in there that's similar, but I'm not allowed to use any of the original words. Okay. And then I will um, go to the, the lines that I hadn't done mm-hmm. and I'll do the same thing with them. So what I end up with is a, um, is a poem that's kind of similar, whether in the language or whether in the kind of story that it's telling. Or the rhythm. But, or the rhythm or something mm-hmm. like that. And, um, but that it's, it's completely its own. Yeah, story. yeah, totally. But you're... And then I'll tweak it from there. I'll make the lines make sense to one another because a lot of times they won't because they're written, you know, uh, that's without any relationship. And then I've ended up with something that's completely my own, um, but it's based off of something that I love. Yeah. And usually it's and not it... something that I, that I put out into the world. It's more like a practice. That's, yeah, it seems I... like a practice. It seems like it's a game yeah. to get your, your brain going. You might, I'm betting half the time you probably abandon and go write something new. Yeah, exactly. They're almost never, like... Yeah never good enough to stand on their own like out in the world mm-hmm. um but it makes my mind it's a, yeah it's a triggering exercise where it gets you in a like it, it triggers those those pathways that you've like you know aligned over the years with creating poetry like just reminds you that it snaps you into into the rhythm yeah that's a really cool because thing you a create habit. a game out of it like like with working out like i just tell myself like this sucks and you just have to do it because mm-hmm. you want you want the end result and like it's never going to feel good while you're doing it but you're going to be glad that you did and writing is no different like I think that there's this idea that that you should be happy to sit down and like face the page every single morning yeah it's not real you're you're sitting at a desk and like there's like a cup of coffee there and like a candle is burning and like that's literally never how it is for almost any writer like my my writer friends like they write on subways and Mm -hmm. they write on on in the nooks and crannies of their lives yeah. Yeah. And, same. And so I think that once you get rid of the notion that it has to be this like, certain thing or that it's going to come mm-hmm. easy, um, and, and there are going to be times when like you don't make anything worth reading for a really long yeah. time. Um, so you but, have to you have to fall back on like. But it's the practice. Use, yeah, you have to fall back. on I've realized you have to like have safety nets built in to make up for the fact that there are going to be days when you like can't or don't want to do it. Well, we're probably going to keep coming back to this topic over time just to keep like adding new things to it. But I think the last thing that I'll add to it is, um, for me, one of the things that gets me creatively going is to, it's, and it's related to what we just said, it's super simple, like have a practice. Yeah. Like the amount of people that are stuck creatively, like staring at the white page and stuff who don't have a daily practice or like a, some kind of a practice, you know, like a, like a routine or a schedule of what they do, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. I don't, I don't know where they're expecting these ideas to come from. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's like maybe when you're young, when you really when you're like, you know, when you're a teenager in your 20s, ideas do like flow a little more freely because you're so drunk off all the media that you're watching, you know, or yeah. reading. And it's a different thing. You're in this learning stage. It's like kids pick up languages really quick and stuff. But when you get when you start to get in your like mid 20s and stuff like that, you really have to start having a practice. And I'll say just like from from personal experience, one of the things that helped me like get into that practice, cause I used to. Um, not have one yeah me either and I used to not edit because I thought everything was was the best when it just came out that's right yeah, me, yeah you used to say that I remember being like that too when I was younger yeah and I remember one of the things that helped me the most was like back when I still lived in Toronto um and I would come over and you had like your home office and your business partner would come over and you guys had this routine that you would do every single day and he would mm-hmm. sit down edit first thing wouldn't even speak to anybody he yeah Martin goes straight to work yeah, he would just come in, take off his boots, curse about the snow, and then, like, you know, get straight into editing. And you would watch films, like, for, like, two hours. Two hours, yeah. And I never understood it, but I would sit there, and I would be, like, because I was doing, like, web design and stuff for you mm-hmm. guys at the time. And I'm, like, what the fuck is this? But then I'd be, like, This doesn't look like working or, right. or whatever. Like, well, yeah. fuck it. I might as well, like, write, you know? Yeah. Um, and it kind of wore off on me. Rub, rubbed off? Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I meant. Mm-hmm. Huh? Um, that's okay. full of bourbon. Um, <laughs> but it wore off on me a little bit. And I think that well, it's, it's the one thing that's like really stuck. Well, you, got, so when you – go ahead. 
No, no, continue. I thought you were done. I was going to say that when you when you came to me, because um, I I don't normally watch movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you never not. used to, yeah. Yeah, because I grew up in this like super religious household where like we mm-hmm. weren't allowed to. Continue. And you weren't allowed, so you just kind of said, "Fuck it, I'm not going to catch up on it now." Wait, I'm there's like no way to catch up on like, a <laughs> yeah. whole lifetime of like pop culture. So I was just like, "Fuck it, I'll be that like kid." Which yeah. is one of the things I like about you. It's funny <laughs> you don't know you know nothing about what I do. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. I was like, "Oh wow, you make the pictures move." That's cool. <laughs> Um, well, what's funny is that in high school, like in my senior year of high school, I had friends that would sneak movies into my house. Like, and, right, yeah, yeah. and my friends had incredible taste. So like the first secular music and like films that I ever watched were like fucking Pulp Fiction. And radio <laughs> like you can't do better. You went straight to the top. <laughs> yeah, no, just like, I just like missed all the crap. The, actually, the first film that was ever gifted to me was like Itamama Tambien. And, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um. And then, yeah, Radiohead and uh, Blonde Redhead and, like, just, like, the good stuff. Like, cool. And uh, what were we talking about? I was, I was literally just about to ask you what were we talking about. We were talking about, um, about like, routines and how you had this routine of, like, watching, of watching films. And oh, yeah, and, you, and at first it didn't make sense, and then you kind of rubbed off a little bit. And now what's funny is that, like, I was really excited because um, we haven't talked in a while. I was mm-hmm. really excited to like come to you and be like, oh, the last over the last like few months, I've watched like a ton of like really good. Yeah, I was shocked. Films. I was shocked and... because you're much more educated about like pop culture and cinema now. And I was like, I really wanted to like converse with you about it, mm-hmm. and you had no interest in movies. Yeah, I was just doing this music thing, and you're like, I'm burnt out on movies, and I'm like, no, we finally, I finally yeah, I know the things you know. <laughs> And, and I loved it, too, and I didn't get it before, but now I do, and, like, you have to love it with well, me. Well, I'm starting to get back into it because you made me watch that movie Ida last week and uh, black and white Polish film, and it just – and I think it's it won, like, the Cannes Award or something. I can't remember exactly, but um, super critically acclaimed. But I watched it, and it was just like oh, – I just lit that flame again where I was like, ah, oh, it's cinema, pure cinema. Like, like, you don't – and that's one of the reasons I think I got burned out, too, is because cinema is, like, very boring right now. It's full of explosions. It's full of explosions and tights and, and nonsense that like adults just have a hard time getting into. And, yeah. and I think, and I, I think that'll change. The eighties were really bad too, you know? Um, but yeah, I was just out of it. I wasn't inspired. And now I'm starting to get inspired again and get back into it. But um, that thing that you were just saying about um, uh, seeing, you know, coming over and I'm watching a movie and like, I started figuring that stuff out about like a couple of years before that which is that I used to just sit down and write. Yeah. And, but I figured out after that, that like the vibe of like when you're writing, the vibe is almost, almost as important as anything. And nobody talks about it. No, sc- no screenwriting professional. Anybody talks about the vibe, but musicians talk about it all the time. Right. Right. So to me, it's like when you're, when I'm about to write, I, I like to watch a great film a little bit in the morning, you know, start getting my brain going. And sometimes I'm not even, not even paying attention. You and I would be talking, but I'd look up at the screen every now and then. You know, yeah. and that just gets my brain into like cinema mode. And once that's going, they get, it's like a snowball effect. At one point, I just want to write. And then usually yeah. it's about an hour and a half, two hours into like the morning routine, you know? Yeah. And what I was saying about having a practice, I just remembered is that like, you know, doing this daily music thing, like from the outside, it's like, okay, he's putting shit up every day. Wow. This looks cool. He's on, he's on 91 now, you know? Yeah. But like on the inside, you know, I've texted you, there's mornings I get up and I don't want to do it. No. Like, I just, I just, and I know that day I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm so not going to do it. I'm just not in the mood. Fuck this thing. It's not moving at the pace that I want. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Yeah. And then the daily practice kicks in. Just the habit. The habit of getting up and doing it. I'm yeah. like, I might as well do it. I've got nothing else to do. You know? exactly. And also, like, <laughs> that you're going to feel so much worse if you don't just Exactly. Do and, 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 and the, uh, the confidence that comes from, like, getting to 91 and going, okay, I got to 91 on a thing that I wasn't like, you know, that, that I was dragging my feet here and there and it wasn't super easy and it was hard, but I did it and it's getting easier as I do it. And that really makes you like, I think that's the thing that most people are lacking with creative projects is that they don't have any prior momentum. Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's like all you have. Mm-hmm. You have to, um, you, I think you constantly have to tell yourself, like sh- prove to yourself that you can do this or you start to slip down that, like that rabbit hole of like, you know, self-doubt and, and, and worrying and all that kind of shit. But when you, when you have a daily practice, you're constantly reminding yourself, I can do this. 
also I think a lot of it is like it's doubt in the sense like there are times that I sit down I'm like nothing I nothing I put on the paper right now is going to resonate with anybody um yeah and what's interesting which is doubt yeah is that it's the stuff that it's like my throwaway shit that like never mattered to me that like resonates with most people (laughs) (laughs) I I uh I told you yesterday I tweeted something just like so offhand like meaning like I wasn't even my brain was somewhere else I just like uh I, t- I tweeted, I can feel all the vibes. I still don't even know what that means. I mean, that, that's something you tweet when you're fucking high as shit. Like, that's not like... Yeah, but it was also like, I think I was, I was reading everything on social media and just like, you know, the, all these different opinions. And I just put, I can like, I could feel it. I could feel all these different like vibrations and I, and I put it down. And then that thing went viral. Like, I think Ryan Johnson, who follows me, retweeted it. And then like all his followers retweeted it. And I, I wake up, like if I go to the computer right now, there'll be another four or five people that... that tweeted it picked up a whole bunch of followers and yeah. it's like i there's no way i could have predicted that it's really interesting what people what people respond to like i have this one this one thing that people consider a poem that i don't consider a poem at all because you know me i'm kind of like a snotty bitch when it comes to poetry and um, <laughs> I, I kind of that's funny <laughs> I, I have a lot of feelings about what should be considered a poetry right now and like what is Instagram poetry and all that, which mm-hmm. we can, which I can talk at length. Oh, about we will, but, uh, but um, yeah, we'll stick to creativity but, for today. <laughs> um, but uh, I had posted something once. It was like the universe is left a light on and it is in you, which is not a poem. Like, right. That's just, it's, it's technically not a poem. Except, like, I probably wrote it when I was, like, a little bit high after a yoga class, right? Right. My shavasana was super long. Um, And I was feeling just, like, real, real good. But... Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what happened to me, too. It's this moment where you're riding high and, like, you just feel something. You just, let me tweet this. Nobody's going to give you shit, but this is for me. no. Like, (laughs) and then I went, I I worked for um, a Canadian yoga company called Blue Lemon that I love. And... um, Yeah. And they're fantastic and they're like oh let, let's do a poetry project and like can we include this one i was like what the fuck like there are poems that like i love that i have like labored over that like say important things about the world and like this yeah. Is what you want. Um, yeah but instead of getting discouraged with that i think that like what it says is that you should just constantly put shit out into the world no exactly that, it's been my big lesson it's too matter. like it matters to people uh, and it's uh, this is and, a, this is a big thing to maybe end on is like i this is a huge realization for me the last couple of years. I really believe that most artists and creatives and people that put out stuff and like, are, you know, maybe even super uh, hard on themselves and stuff actually have no clue uh, how their work uh, is received. Right. Yeah. So I think we, we like to think, okay, if I do all this work and I've covered all my bases and I have all these ideas and here's my script, it's, it's proof, you know, or, or whatever, whatever you're working on you know, you try, you try to like make it bulletproof and then you put it out mm-hmm. and you know, it might sink or it might swim and you have no control over that. But when it swims, you think, Oh, it's me. I did it. You know, I did everything yeah. right. But then you put out this like, you know, ridiculous tweet that's got nothing to do with anything. And that thing goes viral. And meanwhile, I spent, you yeah. know, years making this movie <laughs> that nobody cares about. <laughs> well, and I think that comes down to like, it's, it's about arrogance, right? And like humbling yourself before your work and like Absolutely. your work does not belong to you. Yeah. That's a, yeah, your, I agree with that. We both on the same moves- page your work moves through you and then once you put it out into the world like it belongs to the world and it belongs to itself and that's and- a really great way to take pressure off you and yeah. what i'm saying is like you have that internal pressure you want to make the greatest thing hold on to that like that's super important but then yeah, there's this absolutely. other pressure which is just totally self-doubt and nonsense you know i think it's important to like know that like when i when we say stuff like just put it out into the world that doesn't mean like put out garbage Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't no, I work really right. hard in my dailies, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like work at your shit and like edit it and change it up and collaborate and all of those things. But like, but keep in the back of your mind that this is not, it's not make it or break it with this particular poem, this particular song, this particular movie. That's out of your hands. Yeah. No, it, it belongs, it belongs to itself. And actually, like, we were just talking about how I'm, I'm snobby with, with poetry, but like, I actually have a very simple, like, rule with poetry and it's totally arbitrary mm-hmm. um which is that if i and it really works for any any type of art right is that i have to consume it and then i have to walk away changed and if it changes me then it's art that's that's really interesting because i something i always think i haven't thought about this in a long time but i used to think that like if i see a movie or a song the thing that was important to me was that like 
if I walked away thinking about it and like debating it, yeah, like that's what I wanted. Yeah, but if I, I walked away just like, it. oh, that was great, that was fun, but then I forget about it, that's just like, ugh, I hate that. It's junk exactly. food. Exactly. And <laughs> junk food, junk food art. Um, but yeah, like if I don't have to even like it. There's tons of poetry that like I don't like. That but you can respect. I respect it because it's important to the world. Right. Ruby Keller, I talk about her all the time. Right. Um, she's a great example of that. I don't like her work, but her work is incredibly important. And you respect it for what it is. It's and just I not for you. It immensely because of that, because it mm-hmm. says something to um, an incredibly important population. And it speaks to, to a yeah. truth in like our, our modern society. And that's what makes it art. And that's what makes it essential. Um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't matter necessarily if it resonates with me at, you know, at all. And your work is not going to resonate with, mm-hmm. with everyone, which is why it's so important to constantly like send it out. And like, I get rejected from poetry journals all the time. Uh-huh. Because my and you've got is- a book out, you know, and like, same with me. Like I get rejected all the time and I've got stuff out. Like meaning like I'm still getting shit done. So you okay. can't let that be the thing that, that like stops you. And I think that's, that's a big thing that stops people is just this like, what if this doesn't do well? What if people don't like it? What if people you... aren't going to, like, this thing is people aren't going to like your stuff. Like people yeah. aren't going to like you. And yeah. People aren't like, even your favorite actors go out to auditions and they like, don't get it. And bomb. Yeah. You know, um, and, and once you just realize that, like, you're not for everyone, just, like, they're not for you, then, like, that's okay. Well, maybe the best way to kind of, like, cap this off is to just go, like, you know, and it's true. I think the best way to generate ideas and to get going and to, like, do things, which is really what we're talking about, the way that we generate ideas, is to, like, you have to, to a certain degree, let yourself off the hook. Yeah. You know, you, you got to be, you got you to gotta get to that mode of, like, playing and not thinking of everything as, like, the most important thing. But instead, you're just having fun, like you used to when you were a kid and, like, you know, build castles in the sand and stuff, and then they get washed away. Like, that's how you should be looking at it. Right. Or even just, like, sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to write a poem about, and then I pick, like, the most arbitrary, ridiculous things, and then I don't have to be precious with it. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Make it an exercise. That, that actually helps with the practice with it, too, because you know if today sucks, you're going to have another one tomorrow. Exactly. Like, okay, this, this one's allowed to suck because tomorrow, like, it may not suck. Um, so, yeah, to, to, I guess to wrap it up then, just get out of your way. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> you're not important. Your work's not important. <laughs> yeah. And now go put it out there. Let us see it so we can judge it and judge you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, okay, let's, let's, let's call it the end of, like, you know, the main segment or whatever. But, like, did we have something that we wanted to do at the end? I don't know. I feel I like know. we had – oh, we wanted to recommend a couple of things. Yeah, so um, I, I just, like, fair warning, everything I ever recommend is going to be Polish. <laughs> that's fine um, we'll call it the Pol- polish corner sarah's polish corner oh my god um it's <laughs> gonna be a segment now <laughs> some days it'll be recipes other days it'll be books movies poetry oh my god yes we, we can talk about like the love of my life that i love it like. i'm not even joking yeah no like please um yeah so i would recommend oh have you read a book recently that sounded, that sounded super judgmental. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Are you judging? Oh, wow. Okay. So I, what I meant was that, like, I don't normally, I don't normally watch movies. I'm not yeah. like a movie person. Yeah. But actually, the things that I were gonna, was going to recommend were, like, the movies that I constantly am telling you to, to go watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to recommend those. And I was like, oh, maybe you Do should it. recommend some poetry. But... I don't know if you've read any books recently. No, I, I have something that I want to recommend, though. What? And at some point, I will read a poetry book and recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I will read a book, period. Yeah. Um, so do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? No, you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So my thing is, is this movie on Netflix called Wheelman. Um, okay. That just that kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know much about it because I'm not really following, like, film news and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's produced by Joe Carnahan, who's, like, this amazing filmmaker who made a movie called Narc in the 90s that... Um, was this detective crime movie that he made on a low budget and it went to some film festivals and Tom Cruise saw it and flipped out and called it the best movie of like that he'd ever seen. And like yeah. he, he picked it up for distribution and they put it out and it did fairly well. And then uh, Conan went on and made some more movies that, you know, some of them weren't that good, but then other ones were like, he made a movie called the gray. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's really one of the, one of, one of the, one of the like um, guys that you keep an eye on because his movies are actually good. You know, okay. And he produced this, and I guess he found this kid Jeremy Rush, who kind of came out of nowhere. He wrote and directed this, and it's about this um, 
Uh, it's about a wheelman who's doing like I guess one last job. And What's a wheelman? A wheelman is somebody that um, does drives like the getaway car in a in in a in a heist or something. Okay. Yeah, but what it, what's cool about it is that it take it, it takes place over one night. It's like real time. So you're with this guy as he starts the job, and then all the way to the end. And what's amazing is that the whole the movie like <clears throat> the camera the direction it's constantly attached to the car so it never leaves the car cool. so the so you never see like you know, it never cuts out of a car chase and shows the highway and stuff it's like you're always in the car with him and you're looking out the back and and you know if he leaves the car you still stay in the car and you watch him it's like it's so claustrophobic and almost hitchcockian um uh like genuinely one of like the dopest films I've seen in a long time. And I don't get excited about cinema and it went straight to Netflix and just honestly, if this had played in the theater and pe- people knew about it, it would have been a ride of a movie. Like people would have been cheering. That's how good of a movie it is. Oh. And it's starring this dude, Frank Grillo, who uh, was in a couple of Carnahan movies and um, <clears throat> apparently is like a huge star in China or in Asia. Like here, he's just this kind of like character actor, but in China, he opens like movies. Which is hilarious, but yeah, he's he's really good. Like he's amazing. Oh, cool. Okay, so I I will put that on my list of things to do this week, and then I will report back to you in our next episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd actually be cool Bye. if we actually watch each other's stuff. Yeah. So what you're back. gonna watch? Um, since we're, we'll just do films this time. Okay. Um, you're gonna watch Only Lovers Left Alive. That's why I have and, that cued. And or you can't do two. Yes, I can. <laughs> you can't can't make me watch two. I'll watch one. I said and or. Okay, fair. Okay. So you can watch Only Lovers Left Alive and or A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. All right, both of those I want to see, so that's cool. Yeah, um, just because I feel like they, 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 they watch like poems. I think so. this is really cool because it'll hold us accountable to actually watch things. And there's a reason to watch it because we'll share it on here. Yeah, for sure. Or, or re- I mean, reading is going to be a little harder just because like, it takes longer. But, I'll um, give you poems. But poems are easy. So, ooh, I have, a, so also I will send you poems. I have like, <laughs> yeah. this is me making you do shit. <laughs> oh, um, this, this should be a segment at the end of the show. Sarah making eyes do shit. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a fun segment. That. <laughs> um, there's, there's a Pakistani uh, poet named Kishwar Nahid. My mom um, probably knows him. Who, who wrote like, this badass, like, subtly feminist poetry uh, about growing up in, and living in Pakistan. Okay. And I'll send that to you, too. All right, cool. I'll check um, that out. Because I'd like to get your... What, uh, what should we say to people? Like, when, how often are we doing these? Because um, we should stick to some kind of early schedule. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think we could easily do, like, two, two times a week at first. Okay. Right? Okay, so let's see what day we drop this, and then we'll make a it's schedule Tuesday. based on that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you, it only took me like three months to get you to watch Ida, right? So, probably <laughs> well, I never had a reason before. Now I do. Oh, great! Just, just like my opinion of you as a person. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we can we can get you to watch a film before, let's say. Okay. Friday? Um. What day is it? Yeah, I'm gonna try. Um. Yeah, that should be fine. But uh, just so you know, we're at 58 minutes, which is kind of cool because that means this thing is gonna be at an hour, which I think is okay. a good time. Yeah. Um, all right. Is anything, oh, yeah. So now let's just quickly uh, plug the websites and stuff. So you're sarahrosangela.com? Yes. That's right. That's... And also, but like, I'm more, I'm more active on, um, on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is just, all of my social media is the same. Um, so it's just Sarah Rosangela literally everywhere. Um, don't follow me on Twitter because it's mostly shit posting about Poland <laughs> and... Uh, don't follow me on Facebook because so just don't follow her. Just 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 don't. <laughs> it's, it's mostly shit posting on how much I hate the president. So um, Sarah Rosangela all across the uh, platforms and do not all follow her. Platforms. Yeah, don't follow me except for on Instagram because that's my carefully curated public image and it you know, you can follow me there because right. because I I look professional. <laughs> well, I think uh, my stuff is um well, you can go to thewildmachine.com, which is like mine and Martin's site, which has like all of our movies and that kind of stuff. By the way, if anybody's wondering where Martin is, Martin's uh, uh, busy setting up a uh, facility that we're getting ready to do some uh, uh, work. I won't say what yet, but we'll get into it eventually once it's closer. But um, so, yeah, and I'm sure the Wild Machine podcast will come back at some point. We're just all like scattered and busy at the moment. But Also, um, the Wild Machine site is like gorgeous. Thank you. Because uh, you made it. 
and also because it has these like beautiful full bleed images of uh like all of your films which yay like, the, the light in your and your films is like super beautiful so if you oh, thank you thing, really they, appreciate they that go, they should go look at your site so um go to wild machine um my social media is twitter uh it's twitter slash eyes um i do not have the same handles for everything <laughs> so just search eyes on google twitter instagram but, all that stuff but it's but it's eyes, A-Y-Z. It's A-Y-Z eyes, yeah. Oh, okay. The easiest thing to do is just go to soundcloud.com slash eyeswarge. And if you look underneath there, it'll have all the links to all the social media, including my daily music podcast, which you can check out. And that's awesome. it. That's us. That's the I Hate the News podcast. I Hate the News. Yeah. And we actually didn't talk about the news really at all. So No. And if, and if we do ever talk about the news, we should probably like have some kind of like uh, punishment for it. Yeah, you guys can come up with the punishment. Yeah, you guys it. figure out what, what's, what's, what's the penalty for, like, bringing up, like, you know, stupid news articles. Which I will do all the time on accident. Yeah, so we'll just give that away to charity or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Anyway, love you guys. Bye.